1: Hello and welcome to Masoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you've joined us today. We're here to help tell the stories of hope and inspiration for our food friends out there. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah
0: Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center.
1: Sarah, I feel like um, this is, even though we started back up again last week, this is like, I was started up halfway through. So I feel like this is our first official uh, New Year episode. So 2021. I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited about it and to be here with you. So I just wanted to tell you that. That was going to be my welcome introduction last week, but it's just going to have to do this week. <laughs> it works fine. It works fine. Good. Do you have any th- new things you're doing this year, Sarah, for the New Year? For the new year, I am going
0: to wear lots of jewelry like Mr. T. (laughs)
1: That's a good goal. I also noticed you've been doing a lot of baking. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We've been binge watching The
0: Great British Bake Off, and for Christmas, I did get quite a few baking books from my family, and I did make croissants.
1: Uh, yeah, they looked beautiful. I know also noticed you started a new baking Instagram. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. Yeah. I feel like you're like the um gluten-free baking expert in my life. So anytime I have questions about anything, I just like shoot a text or something. Yeah.
0: Actually, if somebody right. needs some good gluten-free baking recipes, go to Let Them Eat dot com. think the gal's name is kim she has bomb recipes for baking she spent hours and hours making them perfect and they if you follow them they work very well
1: well that's good advice i feel like um, especially in january people are doing um, trying to do a little cleaner eating so it's a good way to do it but i'll i'll tag let them eat cake in our um, episode when we get to it yeah Uh, well, we're super excited to have our guests today. I would like to introduce everybody to Carrie Solomon of Greater Goods. Carrie is the owner and maker of wonderful, happy CBD things made with love and fortitude in Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Carrie. We're glad you're here today.
2: Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat.
1: Yeah, we're excited to hear about um, your business and we want to make sure to connect our listeners to you. So can you tell them your social media handles and website and those kinds of important things so that they can find you? Definitely.
2: Um, so we're Greater Goods. You can find us online at www.hellogreater.com and on Instagram and Facebook at g r t r goods.
1: Perfect. Well, we'll um, get people connected to you and we'll tag you in our posts as well. Uh, We want to help walk people through your experience as a maker. I think kind of a good place to start. We've had a couple guests who make cbd products in the past as part of their line but you're like our first cbd expert that that's like what you specialize in so we want to ask you a lot of questions about it because we just don't know
0: yeah we don't know nothing
1: we don't know really anything can you yeah will you start by just um just kind of a general definition of what cbd is and then how that fits into your line of products good
2: Yeah, sure. So CBD is one of the cannabinoids that comes from cannabis. So in cannabis, you have THC, which many people are familiar with as the psychoactive cannabinoid. Um, And CBD is cannabidiol, which is another um, obviously well-known cannabinoid. It's non-psychoactive and it does act on the endogenous endocannabinoid system. So every creature that has a spine from Um, The tiniest animal with a spine all the way up to us humans have an endocannabinoid system, and that system is um, responsible for regulating all types of things in the body, uh, like inflammation and pain and mental wellness. Um, So CBD is this really um, sort of amazing cannabinoid that's been around forever, but has just now sort of been discovered as a thing that can be used separately from THC to help with the management of uh, regulating the body system. There's other minor cannabinoids in cannabis or hemp. Um, so the CBD comes from hemp. Cannabis and hemp are Uh, nomenclature type words. Uh, They all come from the same uh, plant. They're just uh, classified differently for for legal reasons based on the different potencies of things that live within those plants. Um, But um, there are other minor cannabinoids that you probably will start to see coming into popularity. One is CBN. We do a couple of products with CBN, and that's responsible for a higher level of sedation Um, And if I were on a science show, I would talk more about that, but I'll move on. And there's other (laughs) things like CBG and CBC and all kinds of other cannabinoids that are responsible for um, the different uh, things that can help you with feeling better in life. Um, So, yeah, CBD is really popular. It's become so popular that now it's difficult for some people to sort out what's the good stuff and what's the bad stuff. So it's important also, I have to mention that people be really mindful from the consumer perspective of what they're purchasing and where that CBD comes from and what type of extraction is being used. It'll be the most effective for your needs. Um, And that is also from the maker's point of view, to be aware of where you're purchasing from, where that original flower is grown, how it's being handled. Um, All those different types of things are important, just like any other ingredient that you might have Um, in your goods that you're making
0: and consuming. So I have a question for you about CBD terroir. Mm -hmm. Is there a terroir based on where this plant is grown? Uh, If you're noticing, yeah, I mean, there can be,
2: right? So if you're talking about smokable flour, people can also smoke high CBD flour or almost pure CBD flour the same way. That they can consume a THC flower, so there are um, they're called landrace strains um, on the THC side, and those are strains that are sort of like very pure bred from from day one in terms of you know the the genetics that come from for those that exist for those plants. Um, those are kind of not as prevalent at this point, because a lot of people will crossbreed for certain types of, uh, qualities in those plants, whether it's hardiness during the growing season. And we're not talking about like GMO, we're talking about just breeding for, you know, certain ratios, a one-to-one ratio or a high CBD ratio, or something that seems to be hardier, um, just in the growing process, uh, because, you know, growing, even though cannabis and hemp are, are technically kind of weeds, they still have their challenges in terms of growth. So um, in terms of terroir, um, you know, when you think of grapes and wine, like certainly the soil influences certain flavor profiles. Uh, I as uh, Because I'm not a grower or a farmer, it, I'm not going to, I don't want to misspeak and then somebody's going to call you guys and say, yes, there is terroir, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's not something that gets discussed that much in the industry in terms of how soil quality affects things. Um, we do know that Southern Oregon and Northern California, which are you know all part of basically the Emerald Triangle, have really excellent growing conditions, partially because of fertile soil but also just because of the weather and the environment that, that is in those regions. But a lot of times um, most of the time hemp is grown outdoors so it's dependent on, the weather itself um like it's very difficult for people to grow hemp in colorado for example because it gets way too cold and it also is is you know there's certain areas where it's way too hot way too cold way too sunny there needs to be a fluctuation um in weather which is why southern oregon northern california are so perfect so i feel like it's more about weather patterns than soil quality. Um, And it is possible to grow hemp um, indoors, but it's uncommon for people to do that. So you also look at, you know, the possibility for hydroponic growth um, or just indoor with, you know, certain types of lighting that helps grow, but that's typically done on the THC side more than on the hemp side. So it's an interesting thing to think about, but I don't think it's really entered into the conversation because I don't know. Not yet. Not yet. Um, And because hemp is grown in sort of the similar areas would be, I think it could be a challenge to sort of tease apart. What is, um, you know, what is the Siskiyou Valley like in terms of like potential terroir influence versus Humboldt County. Um, So it's difficult. And also because unlike wine that can age over time and things of that nature, you know, smoking combustion happens and there are flavors that come through even when they're talking about oil extraction there are some profiles flavor profiles that come through but those are really influenced by the terpenes that are present in flour so terpenes are things like what makes lavender lavender and what gives lemon that lemon flavor so linalool is is the terpene that influences the lavender flavor and um Uh, Lime, limine is the lime flavor. So when people talk about flavor profiles or underlying sort of taste, whether it's through the smoking of CBD flower or the consuming of the oil at the end product, it really is about terpenes. So you'd see more of that conversation um, coming up, but that has a lot to do
0: with genetics as well. Did you know that Oregon State University has a global hemp innovation center in the College of Agricultural Sciences? And that it's actually the nation's largest research center devoted to the study of hemp with over fifty faculty working on hemp stuff.
1: I did not know that. Is I should that, have. Yeah. is that in, in
0: Corvallis? Is that yeah, but I'm also a member of it. I'm one of the faculty. <laughs> So you didn't. I had no idea.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was a quiz. That wasn't a quiz.
1: <laughs> well, Carrie, you did a wonderful job explaining that. that so that's great. Now that we have some definitions and we know what CBD is and what it isn't, um, let's talk about the specific products that you make. So you take yeah. this CBD extraction. Are you mostly working with oil, right?
2: We are. Yes, we're working with oil. And just as a side note, so my husband and I started Greater Goods in the middle of 2019. We kind of soft launched in May and officially launched in October of 19. But we've owned a THC company since the early 2014. Um, So we came from that world originally and sort of cut our teeth on the rules and regulations that come with um, legalized recreational uh, cannabis in Oregon. And we actually made our own Extracts. He did the processing. We got raw material, and he made the extract. So we did that for a while. Um, so now we do in our, in our CBD business. We do source oil that's already been processed, um, primarily just because it's so time-consuming and you need more space and equipment to do it. But we choose to source our oil in a specific way, sort of because of the legacy that we've you know built and believe in from. The, the other business that we run so yes we do uh, is the there oil.
0: some kind of a rule where you can't actually manufacture the oil or the tink the extraction and manufacture a product using it is there some sort of rule about that
2: on the hemp side no there's no rule what you need to do though is acquire a hemp handler certificate so okay when you're acquiring raw material from a hemp grower, um, you do need that certificate. Um, it's interesting because hemp handlers are really um, primarily what is truly covered under the farm bill um, that went through a couple of years ago that made CBD a little more legal than it was prior. Um, so they do require a hemp handler certificate. That said, once it gets into the oil stage and we purchase it from a processor, we don't need a hemp handler certificate because now it's been processed into an ingredient and we purchase it after it's been tested as well it's not a requirement um but we do require it so we don't necessarily always have to go into yet another uh testing round on the oil before
0: it goes into product so yeah if people do want to sorry go ahead i could see i was gonna say um who is your regulatory arm are you regulated by the oregon department of agriculture because you're making foods Yes. So yeah, ish. Um,
2: So we do, when we started our facility, we did have an ODA inspector come in and make sure that we were set up just like any other food manufacturing facility. That said, the ODA kind of keeps us at an arm's length because... Um, you know, they can come in and do checks on us as though we were just a regular chocolate and candy manufacturer, but they don't have much to say about CBD, nor does the FDA. Um, I've actually registered with the FDA, um, and I spoke on the phone with a lovely woman at the FDA when we started. And she ended up saying, thanks for registering, but we kind of just consider you a non-entity because we really have no aegis over CBD, even though it's a food product. So we kind of fall into this funny Place right, and then of course, we went on on, um, this woman and myself to have a conversation about how awesome CBD is, she was just fantastic. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we fall into this really weird spot where, um, you know, technically edibles aren't really given the blessing by the FDA, um, but we're also kind of there's no enforcement around it so. While we don't have the endorsement, we also have the enforcement. So we kind of are just this apparition of manufacturers, <laughs> right? Like, And we try to adhere to all the rules and regulations anyways, just That's because good. We, we cut our teeth in THC. And that is so regulated that it's hard to imagine existing in any other way, shape or form.
0: Um, because so, yeah. In yeah. THC, you have to have very strict record keeping and logs and chain of command, but CBD, you don't have that.
2: Not as much. I mean, we have, you know, we do. We don't have to have as much chain of custody information or certi- certificates of authenticity around potency testing and whatnot. And a good CBD company will provide test results to the end consumer. We have it all posted on our website with very easy access that relates back to the you know the lot number not there's no requirement around that to provide that to the end consumer um, there is no requirement to put the potency on the packaging whereas with THC you'll you have to put the potency you have to put the lab it was tested at um, there's license numbers that have to be included there's packaging ID that's been included but CBD is not like that um, it's interesting. And I, I foresee it at some point in, in time, if they say, okay, CBD people, you could go ahead and do this. And the FDA steps in, there's going to be a lot of that showing up for people. Yeah.
1: So, uh, how You said you started your business in 2019 and, and that you were coming out of another business, but what made you specifically start manufacturing the um, products that you make now? Like did you see a need for it or
2: like in terms of the actual chocolate bars and mm-hmm. and whatnot? Well, so we we are at heart we're well, technically we started our THC business with topicals. Um we're not really THC consumers to that extent like some other people are. Um, but then we went into chocolate and we just love chocolate, right? So like we've never gotten bored with chocolate. It has such an opportunity for creativity and there are not a ton of chocolate companies in the CBD space. It happens to be a really wonderful way to um, uh, consume CBD because it has high fat content and lasts in the body a little bit longer than something like a gummy, which is also a fantastic way to consume. It just hits the system a little bit differently. Um, And, it's dosable. It's delicious. We saw, you know, my husband and I have both creative backgrounds. I'm a designer by trade, and he's a photographer. So it seemed like a really nice creative way to continue the business. Um, and the candy's just fun. Part of the reason I think when we launched the company at that time, you know, CBD, most CBD businesses were um, all of them seemed really similar. So, the branding was very subdued. Um, most of it was very um, feminine and pastel and like very typical wellness product oriented. And we came at it with a really bright, joyous, delightful approach because we wanted to say yes, CBD is about well being and wellness, but it can also be about joy. Like, let's celebrate the fact that we have this amazing natural thing that can help us every single day so we'll, we wanted to kind of disrupt that notion of being like so controlled you know
1: I noticed that on your website that you um you wrote that one of your focuses is on experiencing a micro moments of happiness whenever you can which I thought was so great <laughs> and especially something that people need right now. And it is when you look at your products, they're really joyful. They like, uh, I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the book. um, I think it's called Joy Spotting, but it's about just like seeing joy in any moment that you have. And I, I really felt that when I looked at your website, which was, which was great.
0: One of the things I liked about your website is that you have um items categorized together and some of the different things you have are called like the sleep well kit rise and shine kit and you have the candy lovers one and get refreshed can you tell us how you came up with those kits and you know what people would expect if they ordered one of those
2: So the sleep well cut, you know, everybody has trouble sleeping, especially now. Um, When we started this in 2019, it was like the world's everybody's oyster, right? Like we're going to get through an election. Everything's going to be fine. And I feel like it was everybody's 2020 was going to be everybody's year. Um, And now, obviously, (laughs) it goes without saying that it wasn't. And the stress is high. So we know that sleep is... Um, really the biggest problem for the most number of people. And when we launched the CBN tincture and the CBN chocolate bar, um, they've actually become our top sellers. So we wanted to bundle something together to sort of introduce people to the answers to that problem. The strawberry bar is there because um, strawberries actually contain small doses of melatonin naturally. So we included that strawberry bar in there as well. The rise and shine, I think, we're being a little cheeky with that, right? There's a coffee bar and an orange flavored bar. Um, and then Candy Lovers really is focused on this person with a sweeter tooth um, because we did introduce a milk chocolate bar with, we work with Gluten-Free Gem, a little shout out to Gluten-Free Gem. They're our friends and we love them. Um, so she makes gluten-free almond biscotti that we sprinkle on the back for our milk and cookies bar. And that's a little sweeter than our, our typical, you know, 60 to 70% dark chocolate. And I think, Consumers like that. They really like curation um, and sort of an introduction. Those started out as gift bundles, but we kept them on as kits um, that we'll, we'll keep around for a while in that formation. Um, we might do like a starter kit at some point with, you know, smaller sample size items. But I do think consumers respond to that because we have a lot on our website and a lot of times choice is just paralyzing for people so if you guide them in that direction it helps so much with
1: choice very nice should we take a break yeah we're gonna take a quick break and we'll come back and chat more with carrie in just a minute
0: oregon state university's college of agricultural sciences and the food innovation center are proud sponsors of meaningful marketplace With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Something that you mentioned earlier, Carrie, was that there's good versus bad. And also you were talking about the extraction types. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean, good versus bad, and also talk about what do you mean by extraction?
2: Yeah. So good versus bad, Um, when we started sourcing CBD, when we started to look into what was possible and what we were going to be able to do, which was the end of 2018, there were not as many choices as we have now and not as many local processors and providers, but we came across a lot of CBD that was maybe coming from overseas. It was difficult to find um, the source of those things, and so you don't really know how it's being grown, how it's being processed, if there's chemicals being used during that processing um, transition from from flower to you know end result. So there is CBD in the gas station. There is CBD being sold everywhere you can imagine. Um, There's people calling things CBD, even though it's just hemp seed oil. So without the provenance of, of, you know, testing and in some cases where the, the CBD is coming from, that's bad because you just don't know. Right. It's like, okay, fine. I buy a Hershey bar. I'm cool with it. Hershey's tasty, but like I don't know where those cacao beans are being grown. I don't even know in some cases when I buy cheap chocolate, if that's real chocolate or if it's compound chocolate and maybe I don't care and that's fine, but we care and we want people to know. And this is also, you know, CBD is something that you take as a wellness product. So I think it's important that people put things into their body when they're seeking some form of wellness that um, comes from a, a good place. So for example, with us, we source, um, from, um, a couple of different places. We used to always source um, from one and we're switching because the prices have changed a little bit and the, the hemp is grown in Oregon and it's processed without solvents, um, which we prefer. So, um, that's good. Um, we prefer organic things. So, um, even though it's unlikely, It's difficult to find hemp that is grown with a USDA certification. East Fork Cultivars does grow USDA certified hemp. They're one of the few. Um, So there's sort of a spectrum of of goodness, right? Now, in terms of the different types of CBD, there's essentially, excuse me, there's essentially three types of CBD in products. Um, we is do based on the extraction or, um, it's, it's not necessarily based on the extraction, but I'll explain sort of one, from one side to the other and how okay. it ends up that way. So we use something called full spectrum oil. That means that it has CBD and other minor cannabinoids, and it will have traces of THC under the legal limit, which is 0.3%. Um, it's under the legal limit based on the very interesting math calculation around serving size. Um, and so full spectrum will have trace amounts of THC and that can be processed in a variety of ways. People can process it, um, through what's a, like a distillation process, which may or may not have, you know, alcohol remaining at the end. Some people allow it to sit in glycerin. Um, they'll use like a centrifugal force to like get some of those cannabinoids off um some people you know back in the day people made brownies and they would let things cook in butter so there's different ways well our process is a co we the processors that we work with use a co2 process it's a solventless process using um sub-zero co2 and so um that process there's a difference between the process there's solventless process there's, there's processes with solvents there's um fractional fractional distillation I'm probably not saying it
0: correct when you talk about solvents are you just talking about alcohol or are you talking about hexane what are you talking about some people will use hexane we we do not
2: use we do not work with people that use hexane um there yeah hexane is gross naphtha is pretty gross um that's it's really difficult to get naphtha in the states but Canadians use naphtha there's a long history of a uh, extraction with naphtha and hexane um so salmonless while alcohol ethyl alcohol might be considered somewhat a solvent it's also food grade and it's purged um, by the time you get to the end hexane and things like that are usually purged as well but it just rubs me the wrong way to to know it was even there at all because it doesn't need to be um, so within that process so there's full spectrum. There's also a broad spectrum and that's when THC is removed, but you still have some other, This remember I mentioned CBC, CBG, CBN things like that. Those often remain, but the THC is completely removed. So that's where um, uh, fractionalized distillation, I know I'm saying that word wrong, but it's basically cannabinoids separate out at certain temperatures. So a person Person that makes broad spectrum will have a certain type of machinery that allows you to extract those molecules at a certain temperature. Um, like if we were making our own oil at home, we would not have the capability to do that because it's
0: yeah. It's, I think it's distillation, and they use uh, water and glass tubes and all sorts of stuff to do that. It's cool.
2: It's so cool. It's evaporation. like evaporation, oh, vaps, and spinny things and glass. You know, it's like it's very very cool. And I, mm. you know, my husband's more the
0: science guy
2: science guy um, but you know it's it's still it still can be a solventless process when you're looking at broad spectrum just to that you're pulling out that THC So broad spectrum is still good um, but you don't get that THC so for people who are concerned about a drug test about THC showing up um, a lot of people um, that we've met over over the last you know before the pandemic, like when we can meet people at events, a lot of people will come up and say, I'm sober. I don't want to, th- I do not want any THC. Um, and then there's people who would just shy away from CBD completely. So there's a time and a place for broad spectrum, but we always encourage full spectrum if there's no concern about drug testing. Um, and then there's isolate. Isolate goes through a much heavier process um, in terms of separating out only CBD and no other minor cannabinoids. To me, that's the least beneficial because there's something called the entourage effect. The way that cannabinoids work in the body is when there's a synergistic um, approach to the way that things interact with the body, it's always better, right? If you have this isolated little molecule, it'll work, but it's better to have those other things in there, especially a little bit of THC because it helps to activate the CBD in
1: the system. So are are all of your products, you use like the full spectrum? They're just different. Yes, we do. Okay. So so then you take the full spectrum CBD and you sell oils and you sell chocolates and you sell some pop rocks I saw. Is that right? Yep, exactly. I've, I've never seen those in real life person, you know, we, um, we sell in a lot of the same places. So I've definitely seen your chocolate bars and your oils, but I've never seen the, um, the pop rocks. Can you tell us a little bit about those?
2: Yeah. So we, we make those on the THC side. And so they migrated also to the CBD side and they're really fun. They are exactly how you remember them. From when you were a kid, or maybe yesterday when you went to the candy shop and <laughs> indulged, um, but we we have figured out a process on how to in- integrate the cannabis into the pop rock itself. Um, there's a there's a base candy, and then there's some other processes that go around it. And I'll leave it at that because it's a super giant secret and magical secret. <laughs> but so what's really cool about them is that. You know, it's sugar candy, and it actually is very sublingual. So it's comparable to those tinctures, like the oils that we make, the tinctures we make. Those, those um, absorb into the system very quickly, the tinctures and those pop rocks, because um, all that fizzing and popping and the saliva in your mouth that it incorporates, it, it actually gets in your system a lot quicker than the chocolate. So not only are they really fun, and you can like rim a champagne glass with them or sprinkle them on ice cream or do all kinds of fun things. Um, and they're just absolutely delightful. If, if for people that haven't had Pop Rocks since they were a kid, they're missing out because they're just so much fun. But there is also a reason for them because they will absorb very, very quickly.
0: Your so where can people buy these Pop Rocks? Do you have to order them online?
2: So right now, some new seasons locations are carrying them. They're a little sporadic with their ordering. Um, and who else has them in town? Online's your best bet to get those. We yeah. do have we, we had a retail shop that is now closed, so I should mention that if people really want to come in and talk to us and learn more in person, we can always set up an appointment with them and be safely interacting in our little retail shop, but it's it's generally closed. So yeah, I think online is really your best bet. But New Seasons, are, it's some but not others, but there's so many New Seasons locations that I don't know offhand.
1: I um, saw your oil and used it as an add-on when I went and had a massage at Loyalty. You can um, add on to your <laughs> massage to get the CBD um, oil as part of it, which was really cool. And then you can also buy it afterwards. I had Mm -hmm. pinched a nerve in my neck. So I went there during the pandemic, they were open for just like, you know, if you really need to come in, which I did, I couldn't really move my head. And so (laughs) it was super awesome to have that as an add on option. And I didn't know that that was something that, that you could do. So it was really fun.
2: Yeah. She's just as great. She just ordered yesterday, actually, again, she's wonderful. Um, so yeah, those those tinctures can be taken sublingually or mixed into a beverage, but they can also be used topically. Um, they're pretty strong, so it is a nice option for massage.
1: Yeah, it was great. I mean, I guess I just hadn't thought about it that it could, I always think that when I see like a tincture like that, that it's something that you, you know, put under your tongue or into, into something else that you're drinking. I didn't think of it as something that you could use as a, like on your body. So it was a cool experience for me.
0: I want to kind of jump back to the field, if you don't mind. You had mentioned the Emerald Triangle, and I was thinking back to when I was in college in the 80s and how much discussion was going on amongst people living in the dorms about how people in Southern Oregon were growing marijuana and it was dangerous and don't just go walking in the woods there and all that kind of stuff. So is that I don't know, has that stuff changed or is it still kind of like, is it crazy or is it all controlled or what's going on? People kind of have this weird image in their head from the past and maybe kind of wonder about how it's done now.
2: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people who were in the black market because that's just how it was then did go and switch. Um, You know, there's so many Southern Oregon growers. Yeah. A lot of people switch because, you know, it's an opportunity. And I think when this all started, you know, legalization, gosh, I think it was like, it was the end of 2014 that they legalized and then it took a while to roll it out. But flower was the first thing to roll out. And I think it was, yeah, it was 2016. So you know, at that time, the point of entry was Oregon is one of the easiest places to be a, a cannabis person. Um, it's also one of the hardest. Um, and CBD is really difficult as well because there's so much saturation. But that's sort of a different conversation. But, you know, the the cost of entry is the lowest in the in in the country in, in Oregon. So I think most people switched um, over because it wasn't that bad to get into the game in the beginning there weren't as many players um and so you know t- 2020 was a really great year for flour on the thc side um we really saw a banner year in the state of oregon it's a little bit different for edible makers because um, people just really continue to to consume through through flour believe it or not even though covid was around and you know despite being concerned about one's lungs they they were still smoking up a storm yeah. Um, so, I don't know, I'm sh- I, there's got to be black market people out there, obviously. That's never going to go away. Um,
0: so, the Emerald Triangle refers to the black market or just the uh, growing region? What it's do you just think?
2: The, it's just the growing region. So, it's basically Humboldt County. Oregon isn't really included in that, but when you think about Southern Oregon, it's the same climate. So, it's just the the arbitrary boundary between California and Oregon is what stops one from calling Southern Oregon the Emerald Triangle. So. There's a place in Oregon called Weed. <laughs> I know. Have you ever I been know. there? <laughs> I drove through it driving to San Francisco. Yeah, it doesn't look very fertile, to be honest. No, with
1: it you.
0: doesn't. <laughs> I don't think And so. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, you can buy a t-shirt and everything.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, Emerald Triangle is just a geographical reference. It's not, you know. I think. I don't know. I wish. I wish. You know, I don't know if I'd go into the woods anywhere right now to see what was up. Um, no way.
0: <laughs> hey, what about feeding livestock with your leftovers? Have you ever finished uh, a pig or any other animals with the greenery and then and then eaten it? So it's
2: interesting you bring that up because before we all lost our minds from a pandemic, we had been seriously... Um, looking into that and forming partnerships with livestock growers because um so one s- them,
0: it's more sustainable if you can feed that
2: it's it is and there's actually someone that i met and i i don't if my memory is shot but there's a person that does make hemp pellets for for livestock feeding um, the most interesting thing about what you bring up is that you can see um the effects of food industrialization Um, along with the criminalization of hemp and sort of our, all of our health issues, um, especially in Western civilization. So, and I actually posed this question to the doctors Knox, who are this amazing family of physicians who went from mainstream medicine into um, endocannabinoid based medicine. They're here in Portland. If you don't know doc, the doctors Knox, look them up. They're amazing.
0: KNOX.
2: KNOX. And so, I had been thinking about this for a while. It's the same way that they, you know, when iodine was introduced into table salt, it was done that way because people were deficient in iodine during the food industrialization era, right? Yep. So I started to realize, you know, hemp has always been criminalized for um, racial reasons. Um, Slaves, hemp was so... Uh, useful and uh, fruitful and financially viable that slaves could actually buy their way out of
0: slavery. Yeah, uh, and you could make rope out of it.
2: You make everything. You make. You paper. make fabric. You
0: can, you can make
2: fabric. Yeah, and it's crazy. You can make plastic out of it. Like we're really missing out on so many things in our society because we don't. We just can't wake up. Um, but. When you start to see, I won't get into the politics of things, but when you start to see hemp disappear from the diets of these animals that were grazing on this plant that was just everywhere, we can also see a correlation to a lot of health issues like inflammation and heart disease and all these types of things.
0: Well, I remember when I was a kid, because I grew up in Minnesota, one time we were driving from Minnesota to Oregon and in Nebraska... I looked over and I'm like, hey, Dad, what's that stuff growing in the, is that marijuana? He's like, that's hemp. (laughs) So they used to grow it. Actually, I'm like, yeah, it was a weed. It was just growing in the the gully beside the freeway. I think that if we could go
2: back to the good old days that were never really good old days, but (laughs) if we, if hemp was more part of society, we would, I think that we would see, um, a little better health. If you were eating organically um, treated animals who are also fed with hemp, those cannabinoids do get into the animal system. And the reason I bring up the doctor's Knox is because I asked that question and they said, yes, absolutely. The disappearance of hemp from everyday life, and thus from our diet, did have a direct effect on our health. So we've thought about it. We got real distracted last year, Um, but I think it's a fascinating idea.
0: Um, It's a really big idea well Kimberly right? it's and a, yeah Kimberly it's a and real shift Kimberly and Vitaly Paley have been doing annual um finishing of hogs with uh hemp and then having a big roast yep they have
1: so I have yeah. a question I have a question for both of you ladies because you know I see other producers a lot of times they'll have like a line like mine. Like if I, if I have my hot sauce line and I want to add one CBD product and I see people do it, but because I feel like I, I know so much about, um, you know, the farms I source from and the people that I buy from, but then like in the CBD world, I feel like I don't, know anything. And, and, and even when I've talked to like my inspectors or people like that, like I'm apprehensive to just jump into it. And so, and I don't need, and whenever I ask anybody, nobody really knows. Like, it's like the same thing I think Carrie that you experienced where my ODA inspector is like, I don't know. I don't know if I would be the person to certify you. So like, if I took your oil, because I understand that you do things in the way that I would do things in my business and I put it into my hot sauce, is that something that is doable or not? Do either of you know? <laughs> yeah,
2: I think it is. And I, I, you know, people ask the question all the time and they go, what, what do I put on my labels? What is this? Through? And I'm like, ask me. I feel pretty confident about what I'm doing. Um, and yeah, and I think anybody that's interested in doing that, I would invite them to actually contact um, us and we can either guide or metaphor or actually collaborate um, because there's different things that can happen like there's also water-soluble CBD um, which is really great for for things that are liquids because um, our tincture is made with MCT oil so it doesn't incorporate float at the top. well into anything that has a liquid base but there are options in terms of I'm sorry what
1: I think she was agreeing with you about the soluble part of it, but I think that it would be fun. Maybe we should collaborate, Carrie. (laughs) It would be cool because I feel like that's not something I know about, but you do. And I do think that together we could make a a really awesome product, you know? And I think that it's like the perfect example of people using their areas of expertise, but coming together to do something great that will in the end, benefit people, you know, that's what the goal is. That's
2: totally the goal. And like, CBD, you know, I hate to oversimplify it, but yes, you can incorporate CBD into almost anything. The questions to ask are, you know, how do I explain dosage or how does the consumer use my product, right? Like I'm drinking an Aurora Elixirs. It's like my go-to beverage, Um, but I'm going to drink that whole thing. Whereas with um, like a hot sauce, I'm going to use a smaller amount. So You have to ask yourself, like, um, and I'm not saying just for you, but as an example, like, how is this dose? Does this make sense as a wellness product? It's also fine to say, hey, I want to add CBD just to see, like, what I can do in that world. The bigger thing that everyone needs to think about when they're putting a CBD product into their rotation with mainstream products is how they're going to sell this product. Um, If you're selling things online, Shopify will send a little spider out the minute they see CBD and they could potentially shut you down. Um, We work with square on a special program that um, works with CBD and allows us to sell CBD, but we also have higher processing fees. Um, So it's less about the product and we love to work with other people. We love to collaborate. We love to figure things out. It's also like guiding these other brands and makers on how to navigate the legality around CBD and how to sell things um, like new seasons and green zebra and market of choice are happy to take us on, but we can't go through UNFI. We can't through the, go through kehe like green spoon and all these other little boutique places like they don't want to
1: deal with it. Um, so, well, and we see at the farmer's market, um, you know, because a lot of retailers do wholesale and sell online, but there's also a big percentage of retailers that just sell direct, you know. So when you're someone like me who's at the farmer's market, then, um, you know, we do it that way. And so you'll we see that opening up in the farmer's market area because it is easier to sell it directly to a person.
2: It's so in- much easier, like... I love e-commerce. It's just so much easier. I don't understand grocery to this day and I don't really (laughs) want to. Um, But yeah, like smaller retailers and direct-to-consumer is great. Just everyone who's, they're going to sell CBD to farmer's market. Be careful with your payment processor. That's all I have to say. Because even if you're going through Stripe or Square, you know, be careful what acronyms you use because they see it. They've got, automation to see it and it would really it's a shame to imagine anybody getting shut down that's just your lifeline to your business mm-hmm. so we can also advise around that because we've been doing it long enough to know you know
1: what we had to do to well make- carrie i hate to say this but we we I have talked so much about all these things that we are out of time, but mm-hmm. I want to be able to send people to you directly. So what's the best way for people to buy from you?
2: So go to com. You can buy our stuff on the website. Um, right now, um, all of our tinctures are currently 20% off, no code needed. We have some fun stuff coming up for Valentine's Day. And I encourage everyone to also sign up for our newsletter because we will often send out Special deals just to our newsletter, people. Follow us on Instagram, GRTRgoods. And for collaborations, you can write to
1: carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, at hellograder.com. Perfect, Thank you. It was really fun to chat with you today, and I feel like I learned so much stuff, so <laughs> really great. I think other people you will have answered a lot of other people's questions as well. So everyone should um, go check out Carrie and all the great things she's making, and we'll check in again soon. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining coming us, on the Jerry. show. It was really nice to chat with you today. Likewise. We record Masoni and Marshall live every week. Find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can send us a message at Missoni and Marshall on our Instagram. And we will be back next week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye. Bye for now.
0: Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned Oregon grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers as well as farmers, fisherfolk, and ranchers, by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com.